Um, well, thanks for listening to this full-length episode podcast. In the <laughs> Yeah, that's us. I'm sure you're wondering why we're doing the end of the takes it took. Well, it's a long story, and we're going to have to run it back. <laughs> probably wondering who that schmuck with the cool voices <laughs> i don't know why i insulted him and then complimented <laughs> cool him at schmuck. the same time but that's miles he has a phd in getting shit done and next to me is mariah <laughs> she's the worst one of the bunch because <laughs> she's a girl <laughs> and stefan's not real hi guys welcome well welcome back it's another episode the first episode of the new year yeah. Oh my goodness, welcome to 2024. Miles, you better start us out strong. We're going to start off strong with uh, a little a little animated movie. Yes. But first, we need to, we're going to do some movies that we watched. We need to talk about some movies that we watched we recently. Talk about some movies that we watched. I'll start with oh. an animated movie yeah. that I watched because you guys said that it was good. Uh, if you listen to the, the previous episode, you'll know that Stefan talked a lot about Leo. <laughs> yeah. The animated Netflix movie from I know it was it was Sandler. Billy Madison. Yeah. Billy Madison yeah. Productions. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So Adam Sandler's movie where he is a lizard. Yes. And he is like a what, fifth grade pet? Yes, I think a fifth grade class pet. Yeah. And he goes, he can talk and he goes to all the people, all the kids, and helps them with their problems. Yeah. And watching the trailers, I thought this is stupid and it's not going to be good. Same. There's this one shot in the trailer where he's on a hill and he's going, this is incredible. I can't really do the voice, but it's like slowed down and choppy and the frame rate is awful and it looks terrible. And yeah. So going into it, it's like, this is going to be a bad movie. But then you watch it and you're like, all right, that was that was probably worth my time. <laughs> Actually fairly entertaining. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I got the- like mad when I... Like genuinely made me like laugh. Yeah, it's like damn it. The fuck, I don't know why they the bit with the cigar. <laughs> there's, there's this bit where the Bill Burr turtle does like a cigar cutaway after a joke, and he looks at you, and it's so striking. It, like, You're zooms like zooms in on him. Oh. Yeah, like he like because the lizard is like counting on his fingers, and he's like he runs out of toes too, and he's like I got nothing else to count with. And then the Bill Burr turtle goes, "You got one other thing you can count with." And then it like zooms in on him. He looks directly at you and has like a wooden stick as a cigar. And then he goes, what? I meant his tail. And like wiggles his eyebrows a bunch. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? And then it just whiplashes you back into the movie. Yeah, normal. It is, and it never Nothing does like that ever happens yeah. again. No, that's so out of left field. <laughs> There's a bit where he talks about how you shouldn't cry. Crying is yeah. crying makes you ugly. <laughs> yeah, he's um, really mean. When it comes to this one kid's problems, and you're like, you can't cry. You're fucking stupid for crying. <laughs> Is yeah, what an entertaining time. Also, the way they animated the uh, the first graders or whatever, really funny. The kindergartners. Yeah, the yeah. kindergartners oh, were really funny. Hilarious. Little sharks. Yeah, little ugly, ugly, round-headed freaks. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys watch? I watched a film called Phantom Thread, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say going in. I knew that it really wasn't my cup of tea, as Spike Lee would say. But uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. The score was beautiful by mm. Johnny Greenwood. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like, 
I don't want to spoil it in case you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, because it, it is a pretty gripping time when he there's something that happens kind of towards the later half of the movie where you're like yeah your jaw kind of drops a little bit it's i mean it's about an unhealthy relationship and mm. typically i'm not about that uh i don't find well, you those experience stories it enough in real life yeah. with stefan um uh, i think i experience it enough <laughs> is what you mean to say typically Everyone... i don't like those kinds of films mm. uh like those kind of stories don't interest me but this one got me and yeah. uh, i was totally into it and um yeah, it's very good. Yeah, when I watched it the first time, I was the same way. I'm like, I don't think I'll get into this. And then I remember being like, oh, I'm like strangely in this. And then certain things happen. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, and there's one final that. scene. That's not the final scene, but there's a, a scene where he's eating. Yes. And there's no words spoken. And it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when my cat decided to throw up in the other oh, room. Oh, nice. So yes, she picks really good timing. Yeah, she was not pause. into it. <laughs> But yeah, I watched Phantom Thread. Very yeah. good. And finally, coming around to Stefan, I'll try and make this one short. We were scrolling around in Disney Plus and we found an old movie called Tall Tale, which came out in 1995 about a bunch of American like folklore legends. So you got Yo, Paul Bunyan, Paul who Bunyan. is horribly misrepresented in this movie. They really? make him like a washed up, just like superhero kind of thing where he's like, I used to be. But no, Paul Bunyan is a G. He's got a wife. He would have been fine. They would have had to convince him to come back because he was so happy is what should have happened. Um, but then we also got, was it Peiko Bill, Pecos Bill or something? He rides a tornado. He lassos and rides a tornado. But this movie also has a little boy who is trying to um, keep the family's farm. Even though he hates it. Yeah, even though he hates it. It establishes in the beginning he hates it, but I guess he likes it at towards the end. And so the bad, bad guys are trying to take his farm, and he teams up with all the folklore legends. And it's just, it's, it's a wacky time. Babe Blue Blue Ox is there. It's an ox that's painted blue. And uh, I'm trying to remember some things that happened. I mean, really riding a tornado is probably one of the precipices for this film. The zenith, uh, if you will. Is the railroad man there? Yeah, John Henry, the railroad man's there. He's black. Hell yeah. He is black. Mm -hmm. Calamity Jane shows up, but they just make her like the crazy ex-girlfriend. And then she doesn't show up for the rest of it. I kind of... Is this animated that, that or, sucked. or live action? No, this is a live action film. It's on film. Disney+. Plus. And the, wow. the real kicker is when this movie opens, me and Mariah were like, wow, this looks really good. The story sucks. Like, the premise is stupid, but this looks really good. And then we see Janus... How do you say it? Pronounce Janus. Janus Kaminsky or something? I forget. His name pops up, and that's the guy who does, like... All of Spielberg's stuff. He's oh. won he Oscars shot. for Schindler's List and Saving oh Private God. Ryan. And this movie came after Schindler's List. <sighs> yeah. He did Schindler's List, won an Oscar, and then did Tall Tale. Uh, and there's also just an insane cast in this, which yes. we weren't expecting. So it's mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Swayze, Catherine mm-hmm. O'Hara, Oliver Platt. Stephen Lang is in it. You guys probably don't know him super well. He's the sergeant guy in Avatar. Oh. Um, oh Dumbledore's yeah. son is in this. Jared Harris. Yeah. Kath- Catherine O'Hara from Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just kind of a kooky movie. Not like horribly bad, but not horribly great. Really middle of the road. But I just really like American folklore, and I wish they did something better because I think it's fun. Uh, oh well. Anyways, wacky well, movie. Today we're going to be talking about The Emperor's New Groove, a wonderful little movie with a a long little history. But uh, first, let's let's talk about it. Let's. All right. Let's do a little. Little revamp of what happens for those who may have not seen it or have not seen it in a while. All right, the movie starts out with Emperor Cusco, which you just spelled wrong. Did I? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cusco telling us how amazing he is and that he most certainly is the good guy in all of this. 
Through song, of course. When that song is cut short by an old man throwing off the emperor's groove, the emperor has a guard attempt to commit first-degree murder. He then tells Yzma she would be better suited in a different role because he feels she's stepping on his toes and trying to run the country without him. Mm -hmm. So Yzma immediately plans first-degree murder. (laughs) When that fails and ends up turning the emperor into a llama, she tells Krunk... Krunk. Krunk. I think they're all... He probably typed fast. I'm typing fast, except I think all of them say crunk instead of crunk. Mm. Okay. She tells crunk to commit first degree murder. <gasps> he fails, and Cusco ends up in the hands of Pacha, an alpaca farmer who Cusco earlier told to go F himself because he wanted to make a Mojo Dojo Casa house where Pacha's house is. Pacha tells him <laughs> to F the frick off. <laughs> Unless he agrees not to build his Mojo Doja Casa house where his is. The emperor leaves, and after being mean to a squirrel, the squirrel attempts to commit first-degree murder. There's a lot of first-degree murder in this movie. Pacha saves Cusco, but soon after, they get struck. They get stuck to a tree branch and sent down a river that tries to commit first-degree murder <laughs> via waterfall. They seem to better understand one another after a Disney team building exercise, but once a bridge tries to commit first-degree murder on Pacha, Cusco and Pacha try to commit first-degree murder on each other. After a fun little dinner scene and a chase where they break the fourth wall, it's time for Cusco to turn back into a person. Unfortunately, Yzma and Kronk beat him to their lab. Somehow, Yzma attempt one final first-degree murder, by having Kronk attempt first-degree murder, but then attempts to first-degree murder Kronk for not doing it. She turns into a cat, Cusco turns into a human, and Pacha turns into a sex icon. Cusco builds a nice little house next to Pacha's, and they live happily ever after. No one was murdered. And that's the Emperor's new groove. Wow. Despite all the the first-degree murder attempts, no one actually Mm. dies. The first attempt, the last attempt, all clean. Boom. All right. Well, that basically, yeah, that's Emperor's New Groove. Let's run it back a little bit, though. Disney is riding high off the success of uh, The Lion King, mm-hmm. which was the the child of Roger Allers. Who, he was the director of The okay. Lion King. Mm. And so they're like, damn, boy, you're good at this. You know what you're doing. How about you do a little a little something something in the southern america region maybe a little little inca maybe a little a little mayan do something around mm. that area and he goes yeah okay i can do that doesn't seem too hard and so he plans to make a story basically around a book called the prisoner of zenda which is kind of a, a more adult version of the prince and the pauper Okay. Hmm. So it has a lot of, you know, swapping places with someone that looks like you. Very Princess Diary? Is that the one? I know there's one where... Freaky Friday? No, it's not Freaky Friday. It's one where like a high schooler and a princess... princess. Diaries? That's what I said, but okay. yeah. No, Princess Diary... Well, high schooler and a princess? Like yeah. high schooler becomes a princess? Yeah. Yeah, it's Princess Diaries. Do they switch places? They don't switch places. Become? She just, just becomes the a princess. princess. Oh, I haven't seen Princess Diaries. So. Oh, you haven't lived. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to have to cover it on the podcast just so you have to see Ah. Okay, but he wants to base it off of this book. So he gets to thinking and comes up with making a story about Machu Picchu and a city in the clouds up on the mountains. And, uh, you know, he's he's very interested in the mythic culture of the Mayan people. Mm-hmm. So when he's coming up with this, he's got, you know, he's got 
the sun god in there. He's got the other gods. He's got magic and 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 it's all about the, you know, kind of mythic culture as I stated mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. reiterate myself and do they have time. <sighs> Never mind. No, go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna say, do they have the one true God? <laughs> but I realize that's not something I want to say. Well, do they hit? No, that sounds. You know what? Let's just pass on this. All one. right. So he's coming up with this story when he when he pitches it to uh, Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner goes, "It has all the elements of a Disney classic film." Mm. So he's like, "Hell yeah! It's got what we want." This would definitely be a property that Disney cherishes and respects. Oh, absolutely. For a long time. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Disneyland, you know there's going to be a ride. They're going to... I was I was actually thinking about that because in the film, obviously, mm-hmm. to get to the lair, they have to do like a little ride. A little and I was yeah. like, yeah. I why didn't they do like a little ride based on that? That would have been fun. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't think they like this property. Mm. I could be wrong. Still, could have been fun. Well, he is like, all right. You know who's good at making music? Sting. Yeah, oh, Sting yeah. is. Sting is good at making music. Let's yeah. get Sting. Was it just like their first choice? Yeah. De- okay. So yeah, Sting was. They pick a couple. Tarzan had a. Uh, wow, I'm blanking on Phil that. Collins. Phil Collins. There he is. Elton John, Lion yeah. King. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think wasn't Sting also in Lion King? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Hmm. Well, anyway, they get Sting, and he pitches this to Sting as uh, a common man teaching an arrogant man how to rule. Because this is effectively what the movie is right now. It is a movie about Emperor Cusco. Mm-hmm. He's an arrogant Cusco. Emperor Stefan. Emperor Stefan. Don't worry about it. Peter. Peter. And so. Pacha is an alpaca farmer that looks exactly like Cusco. And so Cusco and him swap places. I take that back. Something happens before that. Yzma is obsessed with being beautiful forever. Mm. And she thinks it's the sun god that is aging her and making her look bad. So It is the sun, though. <laughs> it is the sun. So she makes a deal with, I think, the moon god huh. to basically kill the sun god oh. and let there be eternal darkness interesting so so the mythology was really heavy the in mythology was in there wow and so she turns emperor cusco into a llama and replaces him with the other guy pacha pacha and like threatens like i'll fucking kill you if you say anything hmm. so just pretend to be the king and Pacha, as the king, ends up falling in love with this girl that thinks he's Emperor Cusco huh. and loves Emperor Cusco, but then ends up loving him instead. Okay. And they fall in love. I and thought then, you were going to say that he falls in love with Yzma, and I was like, no. ugh. No, and then Emperor Cusco, as a llama, falls in love with a llama? A, an alpaca farmer. Okay. okay. <laughs> you scared me. I heard alpaca. I was like, oh. No, no. So he's like admiring her from a distance as a llama, effectively. Uh, there's a little. That's his side plot. He's yeah. just a llama. <laughs> and then it's like he learns to be humble and Pacha fucks, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what Pacha learns, but. Um, yeah, it's just interesting how the whole story structure sounds different. Like it's it's like split as you know, plot A, plot B. Yeah. And whereas this one, it's all just them together. Mm-hmm. This one was them apart. That was all. Yeah, and 
uh, there's a there's a little like guy made of stone. Oh, who if you remember when Yzma lights the candle, there's like a little guy holding two yeah. candlesticks. Mm. That's supposed to be a character. Oh, mm. so in the original okay. plot, that's just a dude, and there's a little there's a funny bit because he's a tiny little guy made of stone, and he's like, I'm gonna put my foot down, and then he puts his foot down, and you just hear a little beep. Okay, okay, stone guy. He's like uh, every other little companion that most disney movies have yeah he like, basically uh, he replaces crunk oh okay and so in the original cast pacha is played by owen wilson wow. wow wow that's really odd okay yeah but everyone is he landed that cars roll though yeah Ka-chow. so everyone's brought on sting is on board under one condition and that condition is his wife will be brought on to do a documentary about the creation of the movie. <sighs> oh. Okay. So this is the beginning of a documentary called The Sweatbox, <laughs> which is where I got like 99% of this information. All right. So thank you to Sting's wife. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you, Sting's wife. Right. I expect you to do something very similar if you ever get like a directing job and your stipulation better be oh my boyfriend has to do the behind the scenes okay yeah yeah disney agrees because they're like oh this will be like a fun little story about you know oh come work at disney this is how we make movies it's great oh fun fact disney has spent every waking second trying to erase this fucking documentary off the face of the earth well, it's called the sweat box. It's called the sweat box. I don't know, man. That's like, I, that doesn't ring as like a come work for us kind of documentary. There's two options to watch this documentary. One, on YouTube, there is a version of it where it is playing in the bottom left of the screen. <laughs> right, like small. Yeah, flipped backwards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it that's is how you in, know it's good. <laughs> it's in seven different parts, 10 minutes each. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Or you can go on archive.org. Oh, yeah, that's a classic and site. archive.org is going to have the full version, full screen not flipped. So I would recommend if you want to watch it, okay. go there instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those are pretty much your only two options. When I was trying to find this thing, I would like, you know, okay, Google the sweat box. It takes you to an article that mentions it. It has a link. Click that link. Link's busted. Dead. It's gone. Someone in the comments goes, oh, well, you can find it here. Okay, click that link. It's gone. Someone in that comment goes, oh, well, you can find it, you know, here, here, and here. All right, click all three of those. It takes you to like fucking youtube vimeo and like x videos or some shit (laughs) and all of them are busted none of them work so i spent a while just trying to find this fucking documentary and that is because this documentary shows what truly happened behind the scenes good job detective and it was not great Hmm. the sweat box the sweat box (laughs) now you enter the sweat box come on inside try not to perspire it's a little toasty in here but you get used to it so sting brings on his wife to do this documentary and while that's going on they're like sting you have the general outline of this movie write six songs and sting goes yeah okay i can write six songs and he writes some real bangers uh he writes one that is about like the importance of sheep Oh, right, okay. of course. Or like wool and stuff. Top of the Billboard charts in uh, 96. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
um, he there's one song that is specifically about Yzma, uh, like talking about how much she hates the sun god and how she's going to you know bring an army of the dead to life to like hmm. basically take over. And you can find it on YouTube. I can't exactly remember the name of it. I will. I will say, dear viewers, something that is alarming me about this is that. They've gotten so far into this process with a script that is not really close to the uh, final product, which um, makes me wonder if, if something happens. Mm, yeah. So the the song that got cut out is called Snuff Out the Light. And you can find it on YouTube if you just Google Snuff Out the Light. Is it just the song or did they animate a sequence they, for it? They animated parts of the sequence. Is it more like an animatic or something? It's... It's... <sighs> Not in a full animatic. Okay. So if you type in Yzma deleted song or snuff out the light, you'll find like a fan reconstruction of ah. it where they kind of storyboard the whole song with clips that they had sometimes fully animated, sometimes just done rough sketches for. You know, it's kind of like a mixed bag. Gotcha. But it's a really good song. Like, okay. it's still sung by Eartha Kit. Eartha Kit. Mm. so like it's fucking good and it's a sting song like there's a lot to it and that will eventually get deleted but we'll get to that later i was gonna say because you said sting did six songs you did six songs i remember two songs being featured in this Mm -hmm. one that is sung by tom jones yes yes did sting write that one though i am not entirely sure i know it was performed by tom jones yeah in the documentary, they go to meet him, but it doesn't say who wrote that song. Okay, got ah. it. The other song Sting does is the end credit song. Yeah. Which is like mm-hmm. fucking nothing. Yes. But also, side note, I didn't know Eartha Kitt did... Yzma? Well, or... The, like, she's the like actual... Singer? Singer. Like, yeah. She did... What was the big one she did? Um, uh, Like, Hold Me Baby? Santa Baby. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Which I was like, that's fucking crazy. Oh, damn, she died on Christmas. Did she? Wow. Oh, yeah. 2008. Is that, does that make her Jesus? Yes. Take that out. <laughs> so, yeah. So, she's doing her song. Sting does a, a love song hmm. between Pacha and the girl that is in love with Cusco, oh, yeah. but it's actually him. They're writing, they're writing music for this version that it, yeah. it sounds isn't so, the final version? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. And, that song, you hear portions of it in the documentary, and that shit goes so fucking hard. It is so good. Okay. But I want to bring up some of the, the other players. Hmm. So it is, you know, basically they're they're doing the storyboards. They're doing a lot of the actual animation just before, like, color and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Mark Kindle is brought on two years into production to be the... Two years? Yeah, to be the (laughs) co-director of the movie. Uh, He was placed there because they felt that, you know, the movie was was a little too serious. They needed to add some comedy. (sighs) So he's there basically just to add comedy to the movie. Again, funny to hear in retrospect, knowing this movie is like 90% comedy. Yeah. There is Randy Fulmer who is the producer of the movie. The only thing that I have here for Randy Fulmer is, at first, Disney is super into the idea of letting artists just make art 
So Randy Fulmer is there basically just to be like, hey guys, do whatever you want. Like this is your guys' project. Be free. You can kind of, you know, do art, which, oh, how the greats fall. Am I right? <laughs> sorry, oh, Disney. Yeah. No, I'm not sorry. Oh, this is just like a weird side note. So we live right by like the Disney headquarters building. Oh, yeah. Um, in Babank, and the the building features, I think, the seven dwarves like on the outside of the building, like yeah. holding up the pillars. To me, it always, it always seems like like they've been forced oh, to like yeah. hold it up, like like slaves or yes. something like that. Like uh, was Atlas. <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> like Atlas, they, just, they are forced they, to carry the burden. Yeah, it just like doesn't... <laughs> anyway. On on that similar note, uh, Miles, I apologize if you're going to say this later. The diner seemed to be referencing a specific diner. Yes. Okay. Do you, Do you talk want, about you that? I don't that. talk about it. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to talk about it in passing once we kind of like get to the newer stuff. All right, then but I will take a, this gun a, off yeah, the ground yeah, and stop yeah, yeah. jumping over yeah, 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 yeah. it. Well, you guys I'll, are allowed to talk I'll about it I'll put it in my prison pocket. crazy. But... Another, uh, you guys are gonna love this. Oh. Joe Rogan Mashir oh. is a character designer for the movie. He is doing mostly Emperor Cusco, Pacha stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He would go on. Well, he wouldn't go on to do. Well, he does go on to do Spider Man <laughs> Across the Spider Verse. Oh okay. oh, okay. But he is probably most well known for his work in this movie. He was also a character designer for Meet the Robinsons. Okay. Okay. Bolt. Hmm. Boss baby? <gasps> oh. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible, man. Mm-hmm. Come on to the podcast. I've got something for you. Uh, well, it, it, it was it's crazy to see, because I was looking up some of the animators were watching us just to see what they've done, and to see how many of them transitioned into 3D animation is both really impressive that they could pick up a new art form like that, and also really sad <laughs> Yeah, to see, be like, oh, they did this amazing 2D animation, now they did Boss Baby. Yeah. Well, Boss Baby, it's really good. Boss Baby is one of the best films ever made. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, now that the music and the layout are moving really well, here's a tiny little snippet of. I can't do the whole song. Here's a tiny little snippet sung by me of what the Llama song is like. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Don't get too loud. Llama, Llama, take a panorama, Rama. I like it. Is Thank there you. more? No, llama, I can't. Llama, I take a panorama? Where is it? Pan- it's Llama, Llama, take a panorama-rama. Okay. Bars. Mm, thank Bars. you, thank you, thank you. I don't think you need anything else than that. I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's see. It. I'm sorry. My notes are very, like, written to the uh, documentary, so things mm. are a little jumbly-wumbly. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. I'm a really oh, big yeah. Doctor Who fan. So so there's there's a bit where... The co-director, Mark Dindle, is <laughs> talking to Sting. And he's basically telling Sting that the music themes aren't working because they're jumping around too much. Hmm. And Sting fucking lays into this guy. Like, as, as nicely as Sting can. But he goes, calling these a different theme is like saying every time you change a chord, it's a different theme. I'm telling a story, and what you have done is take two lines from that story, making it fucking useless. Oh. Mm, wow. So they're starting to step on Sting's toes here. Okay. They're like, Sting, you've made bangers, but we need these bangers to not be bangers. And Sting's like, I don't do that. I make bangers. That's all I make. <laughs> so Sting is 
pissed because he wants all of these songs to combine over time to make an amazing movie. Mm. And mm-hmm. they, you know, quoted, well, they, I, I suppose Roger, Mark, and Randy is how he refers to them. He just goes, they. But <laughs> they want to cut stuff out to save seconds. They're just mm. like, oh, we got to save four seconds here and three seconds here. So cut, you know, these lines out of your, out of your songs. And Sting... <sighs> hates it yeah that is frustrating i do understand though that with animation every second is hours of labor yeah so this this isn't even an hour and a half long though no it's very short yeah how movies so, should be if you're like, that's uh, my if you got the little like zoomer brain yeah no, no three hours is too long make well, an event of it the the music is done get a shark coochie board <laughs> shark coochie board <laughs> shark coochie board well, the music's getting done. Oh, no. Done. Sorry, my bad. It's the charcuter board. The songs are getting done. Pretty much all of the rough animation is done. And, and again, this is like the old plot yeah. with the sun god and the moon god. Mm-hmm. And, all right. Yeah, and all the voice work is done. Whoa. With Whoa. Owen Wilson as Pacha? Yes. Whoa. Oh, this is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time to show it to the heads of animation. God, this is like... This is like Oh my god, this is this is like what when I watched the Chernobyl miniseries for the first time, where it's like you know what happened, but you're watching everything before it's happened and you're like, This is gonna go I just I know because I have the knowledge of what it is yeah. that this is not going to work out. Now, so to kind of give you some context, Roger knows that things are gonna change. Roger Allers is like, Yeah, there's things that they're not gonna like. We're gonna, you know, change a few scenes, we'll do this and that, but Overall, the story is going to be the same. I mean, we've we've made a fucking movie. They're not going to they're not going to change it. Oh no! So it's the execs. <laughs> and so I don't have their last names, but it's Tom and Peter. Are <gasps> these two guys are the heads of animation? It makes them scarier. And it's it's time to show them the work. And everyone goes in thinking the story isn't going to get changed a whole lot. Like I said, because they they they're generally like it's a good movie. Like they Honey, like it. You've got a big storm yeah. coming. Yeah. Well, it did not go well. Tom and Peter are basically like the pacing's off. The whole story is all over the place. They don't know who to care about. They're like, is Cusco a piece of shit? Do we like him? Do we not like him? What the fuck is going on with Pacha? Yzma? It's, it's all too much for them. So everything is getting shifted around and the directors need to kind of take apart the puzzle entirely. And everyone is pissed. I can imagine. Yeah. Sting especially. Because the thing that Peter and Tom said was basically like, well, the songs aren't working. There's two songs that they really love, which is the llama song (laughs) and the love song (laughs) that goes on between Pacha and the the other girl. And other than that, they they just don't care. There's no love in this besides bro love. No, it is all well. There's love Pacha between Pacha and his wife, I yeah. guess, but like no, no new love, no yeah. budding, beginning love. Yeah, but so the directors Roger and Mark, so Roger Allers, Mark Dindle, meet up with <laughs> a bar, a barch, a bunch of other directors from other things to kind of get you know fresh eyes on it. Mm. And so while they're in that meeting, because the meeting's like really fucking long, it takes a couple days, honestly. They. Everyone else is left to just kind of ruminate. And a lot of rumors come from that ruminating in that people are like, well, there's four new outlines. So four entirely new stories 
that they're pitching effectively. People are saying, fuck, Sting is leaving. The cast is changing. The setting is changing. They're just about every director is going to get fired. I'm changing. And everything is going to be different. Unfortunately, all those rumors are true. Yeah. (gasps) Oh. (sighs) By the third week of the rewrites, they had six different outlines. Because Mm. they had just figured this movie is so busted that we got to figure something out. So they're just tossing shit at the wall. And in a latch-ditch effort uh, to figure something out, Chris Williams, who's one of the writers, comes up with an idea and he throws it out there. And so he's just like, all right, well, what if this happens? And then Roger Allens or Roger Allers is like, all right, well, what would happen next? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe this would happen. And and then this and blah, blah, blah. And Roger Allers is just like, yeah, give me more. What's going on? Like, you know, just start winging it. Basically, just like fucking give me word, something. word vomit your way through this. And so Chris Williams works with him and they get a story about a prince that gets turned into into a llama Mm. much more associated with the version we have Mm. but despite having a new story that they're going to go with no one's happy so much has changed that all six songs that sting wrote are effectively useless now they're not in the movie and everyone has been working on this for four years now oh good lord And it's dead. Uh, Everything that they had put effort in. I mean, minus some of the character designers because the the designs are going to stay. But they're still fearing, you know, well, half the fucking characters died. My character could be next. The the girl that loves Cusco, she's out. The llama herder that isn't Pacha, she's out. The little, you know, stone guy, he's out. The sun gods, they're out. So all these people are fucking gone. mm -hmm. And they're like, well, my character could be next. And... I mean, even Pacha, as we knew him up until now, he's gone too. And there's a part where Roger is talking about uh, his eldest daughter going to college. And he's sitting down. He's like, well, you know, I, I knew her when she was just born. And I've seen her grow and, and change and, and you know become a woman. And now she's going to leave. But I, I always know that she will come back. Like, she's my daughter. I'll get to see her again, blah, blah, blah. But I have worked on Emperor's New Groove for four years now, and it is gone forever. Wow. Oh, no. You can't relate <laughs> it to your, your your daughter going to college. But, these these but, happened around the exact same time, so I think that's why he, uh, he made the comparison. Wow. Uh, that's um, sad, too, because I... I almost wish I could see that rough version because there's no way it was that bad, was it? There's no way. There's no way. No, well, because all the songs were really good. Yeah, I'm like... <sighs> like, I've heard a lot of the music that he wrote because he wrote all six songs. And from what I heard, they're all really good. And, and like, what I watched of it, it was funny, too. Like, I liked it. While they're working on this new version, there's a lot of heat between roger and mark because you know roger had this movie that he wanted and every step of the way mark is struggling to make it different you know he was tasked to make it funnier and every step of the way like he's trying to make the movie funnier that's just not the movie roger wanted Mm. and so as we get closer to finishing it roger just decides he, he doesn't recognize his work anymore and he leaves oh oh that is heartbreaking. I know this is an audio medium, but I, I did. That's the, really sad. I did a very sad face. I don't have anything to say besides like, damn. 
Yeah, he spent four years pouring his heart into this movie. He really loved it. And it's just not his anymore. Damn. Yeah, just Roger has, he feels like that, it's, it's not his movie. And, you know, he's got no connection to it. So he just quits. He quits the team and moves on to different things. That That is heartbreaking. And obviously, I'm not there. I'm mm-hmm. not a seasoned exec. I don't know why, what decisions were made. I feel like things could have been done differently to prevent this. First and foremost, I feel like if they had somebody present for production overlooking it as they were doing it, yeah. so they didn't get so far before they realized it wasn't what they wanted, that would have helped. I also... I can't, I can't, it couldn't have been that bad that, that it was worth it to scrap everything and do it again. The, the cost of that must've been so much higher than what, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. And it's, you know, what really annoys me is during the documentary, it cuts to Tom and Peter after they had basically been like, yeah, everything has to change. And they're like, they're just, they're basically saying like, well, you know, when it comes to animating, you got to kind of roll with the punches and you know, this happens all the time in the film industry, in the animation industry specifically. And really, it's just Roger didn't have what it took to, you know, stick with the team. Wow. Okay. And you're like, you fucker. You took everything from this man. You're going to be like, ah, it's his fault. Four years. Yeah. Four years. I'll get into it a little bit later, but they do the exact same thing with Sting. Yeah, Mark Dindal, he has to go to Sting and basically be like, hey, so you know how we had you write six songs? Well, no. We didn't use any of them, and we're going to need you to write more music. Mm. And Sting is like, that's fucking stupid, dude. (laughs) And Sting, you were right. (laughs) You used my time. Like, I was on for six songs. I wrote six songs. I'm moving on to other things, my guy. And they're like, yeah, we know, but, you know, we kind of need you to write this music. So, you know, if you could. And he's like, all right. I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit on this movie because Mm. you changed everything. But it also isn't entirely where my priorities lie. I'm doing a tour. I have to basically do the tour. And so he says in the documentary, he's like, I had to do something I, I never thought I would allow myself to do, which is write music while I'm performing for people. Wow. Yeah. Because he wanted to be able to focus everything on this tour. Mm -hmm. But now he has to like split up his attention. Yeah. Yeah. So he's honestly insanely pissed right could you imagine trying to write something while you're directing um i know there's psychos out there who do do that but my little brain couldn't (laughs) handle that i don't think yeah well the movie still has to come out and so they're basically like all right you have a year and a half to make a movie because you know we trashed your old one okay a year and a half yeah basically new animation Mm -hmm. and Mark is like, well, can we have more time? And they go, well, we've already made a deal with distribution and McDonald's (laughs) and Hasbro and all these other things to make toys for the movie. And if we move the date, they'll be mad and probably sue us. So no, you don't. You don't have more time. You have to make a movie in a year and a half. Wow. And so they... Just have to hit the grindstone, I guess. And they changed the movie's name from Kingdom of the Sun, because that's what its original name was, to Kingdom in the Sun. Okay. So big changes. Yeah, big change. That's probably <laughs> mm-hmm. the biggest change we've talked about so far. Yeah. So this is where Pacha is changed from a 16-year-old emperor-looking li- emperor lookalike to a 40-year-old big boy farmer. 
who mm. would then go on to become a sex icon and a meme. You know, he goes, yes, yeah. He this, this is a meme movie. It There's is a meme movie. There's a lot in this. Yeah. So after some more time passes, it's time to do another screening of the movie. And it goes well, I guess. Uh, things are allowed to keep moving forward to everyone's surprise. Okay. And so now that I guess they, they've solidified stuff, it's time to bring Sting back. And so this is where sting is basically like what i have to do these other things like i have a fucking album to write too and so he's like yeah but i'm not a quitter (laughs) so that he'll do it but it's not ideal right and now that some music has been written which i mean his two songs are i guess barely in it yeah it's time to show the disney heads and it goes bad oh god i hate these guys the Heads of Disney Animation just still don't like it. Some things here and there are good, but, you know, they bicker and complain about whether or not Pacha should have a family. You know, should he have a wife at all? Should they have kids? What about this? What about that? You know, should... They're, like, fucking nitpicking the hell out of it. It's such a silly thing, yeah. Silly things to be upset or concerned about. It's almost like you've lost sight of the art. (laughs) Yeah. Of the passion of the project. Yeah. And you are trying to find the most, um, you know. They're just like, they're sucking everything out of it. Financial. Yeah. Financially powerful. And it's, I mean, they're they're the heads of animation. So whatever they say, you have to basically do. And if they're like, oh, well, you know, should Cusco be redeemed in the end? Or are we just caring about Pacha? Let's get rid of Pacha. They suggest just getting rid of Pacha? Yeah. Oh my God. And the animators- Getting rid of Pacha and his hot wife? Yeah. The animators are like, whoa, 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 hold the fucking phone. And they have to like fight tooth and nail. And it, it was like this for a long time. The character designer for Pacha's wife was very often told, you know, one day Mark would come and he'd go, hey man, I got to talk to you. You know, Pacha's wife is out of the movie. And then two days later, like, oh, I have wonderful news. Pacha's wife is back in the movie. She's going to have, you know, a couple lines here and there, but she's back in the movie. And then he'll come back the next day and go, oh my God, we've expanded Pacha's wife. She's going to have more stuff, more. It's going to be amazing. Two days later, hey man, um, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to remove Pacha's wife. Oh, <sighs> and that's going on with everybody. Like Man. these fucking heads of animation, Tom and Peter are being pieces of shit, being like, eh, I don't like this. I don't but like also that. in a year and a half, make yeah. this movie as we can like constantly rewrite and force Man. you to change everything all the time, everywhere at once. Mm-hmm. Tom and Peter can Tom on my Peter. Yeah, but the movie draws ever closer to being complete. And then Sting has had enough. (laughs) Honestly, good for Sting. At the very end of the movie, instead of Cusco having just like a little hut on the side, he levels a rainforest and builds a castle just not near Pacha. So he doesn't So he still just destroys. Yeah. Okay. And this is what Peter and Tom wanted. That was their idea. What the fuck? Okay. And because, so, do they know that that's stupid? Do they, well, do they realize that they are strangely mirroring the undesirable qualities of Cusco yeah. by desiring that to be the ending? 
you could you could say this is a movie about them <laughs> in yeah. that sense oh tom and peter's new group yeah. oh my god yeah the the fist of iron over the animators that they have mm-hmm. and oh, so shit. once sting learns about this he writes a letter <laughs> and the letter goes a little something like this gentlemen when you have achieved genuine human values you don't need a theme park or water slide Ooh. i've been aware for a while now that my vision of the world and disney's may be at odds I can only be candid, but there is something intrinsically faulty with this film, and I find it very difficult to continue working on something that goes against my beliefs. I offer my views humbly, and I look forward to your response. Wow. Damn. And... Damn. He it does wasn't, this. It wasn't even like, I'm tired of doing this. It's like, your morals, your the way you operate is <laughs> is like, it feels wrong for me to continue working with you. Yeah, because... Oh my God. <laughs> if you didn't know, Sting is a very strong activist. Yeah. Uh, he has donated a ton of money to preservation efforts. And when he saw that at the very end, Cusco learns nothing and levels a rainforest to make a theme park and water slide thing... That's funny. He's fucking pissed. That's funny. And he does an interview with uh, NME, which I, I don't know what NME is, but he says, I wrote them a letter and said, you do this, I'm resigning because this is exactly the opposite of what I stand for. I've spent Damn. 20 years trying to defend the rights of indigenous people and you're just marching over them to build a theme park. I will not be a party to this. Oh, oh, good oh. for him. Damn. Go yeah. Sting. Sting. And there's a bit where it cuts to the vice president of Disney. For some reason, I thought you were going to say like of the United States. I don't know why. <laughs> no. So it's it's the vice president of Disney saying this to Sting's wife. Like as she's oh, filming? As she's filming. Right. And he goes, yeah. Well, he, oh, this this is verbatim. He, well, not verbatim. He, he doesn't say this exact thing. But effectively, he goes, yeah, I read the letter. And honestly, nowadays, you can't make anything without somebody being upset. Hmm. And hmm. basically like downplaying. Sting's reaction. Sting's reaction. And being like, ugh, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's like, who fucking with, cares? With you... woke culture. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I loved how he was like, oh, now in days you can't yeah. do anything without insulting. And this is in like fucking 1990s. Yeah. Like, all right, dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking Peter and Tom basically have the exact same response. There's a part where they're talking to, they're like in a group and, and, it's either Peter or Tom. I never got their names right on who was who. But the motherfucker with glasses. If you watch the documentary, it's the motherfucker with glasses. <laughs> He's like, oh, have you guys seen this letter by Sting? Oh, no, let's let's show it because it's actually really important. You know, it, it, he gave us critique and, you know, he showed us how, you know, silly the ending was. And really, I'm surprised we haven't seen it earlier. You know, let's change it. But then it, it'll cut to an interview of just him. And he goes, yeah, well... You know, in the animation industry, your ideas are going to have to change because it's a group effort. And it just seems like Sting doesn't understand how to do that. All right. Sure. My God. (laughs) You're like, you you son of a bitch. Every step of the way, you have told people, no, you can't do it that way. It has to be the way I want it. And now you're going to tell Sting, well, you don't know how to play with others. You don't know how to collaborate effectively. And <laughs> so Kiss from wherever they are, I hope they're not doing well. Yeah, they were <laughs> actually pieces of shit. But since they changed the ending, Sting continues to write the final music with one goal. And that goal is he wants to make the music give the feeling that it is the simplest things in life that matter, not water slides. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so bizarre how... 
I feel like the execs don't have any concept of storytelling and of like how generally stories have a takeaway and yeah. a meaning and that <laughs> it's not all fun and games. Insane. It's actually insane. insane. I'm trying to I'm trying to look up these these <laughs> shitheads right now. I was trying to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so while you guys do that, I'll because I'll wrap it up. It's pretty close to end. Sure. But with the final little bit of Ember's New Groove being made, it's time for one final name change. So they change it from uh, the Kingdom in the Sun to the Emperor's New Groove. Yes, quite the change there. Which the fucking executives had a whole fucking bit about the poster too. They're like, well, it's the Emperor's New Groove, but he looks like a llama. So what's the who's the Emperor? What's the Groove? <laughs> That's uh, it's weird. It's weird. It's like such so brain dead. And you're yeah. like, what? Huh? And so. Uh, the Emperor's New Groove comes out on two thousand in, in two thousand and uh, makes makes a total of eighty nine point three million dollars in the United States and an additional eighty million worldwide. So about one hundred sixty million. One hundred sixty nine point six million. Nice. Uh, what was the final budget on this? The let me see. Oh, their budget was a hundred million. Oh. Probably just because of all the, the gosh changes, darn rewrites. Yeah. So effectively, they would have made sixty nine point six million, which is the lowest box office earnings for an animated Disney feature since the nineteen eighties. Uh, yeah, at the time. Well, yeah, because because Disney's not doing great now either. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, can you imagine how much lower their budget would have been if they had stuck to the more original idea? Oh yeah, and potentially the greater earnings they could have got from it. Absolutely. Yeah. That they really is... did it to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And I for me, this this is the dawn of executive intervention at Disney. Yeah. Where the artists are no longer really given the freedom to just make something and what happens happens. Where they're like, Well, the movie didn't do well, so we have to intervene. Yeah. But like it didn't do well because you intervened. Yeah. And this is also, I think, a very big point into why they switched to 3D animation because they can change it kind of at any time, much easier than 2D animation. They don't have to scrap it and go back to square one. They could be like, well, just tweak the animation and move it, change this. You know, they, they have so much control over how much they can change at any time because the Disney execs are goddamn bipolar. And any day they're just like, oh, I want it this way. And then next day they're like, actually... No. So that's why every Marvel movie is shot like 90% green screen because then they could just be like, well, we can just change it however we want it at the time. And I hate them. I hate them. Just commit, you bastards. <laughs> Buy me a ring. Yeah. It's like they're not great. <laughs> so is Disney. that is that what you have for us? That's what I have for us. All yeah. right. So now I'm going to I'm going to give my few cents as we enter the discussion yes. uh, stage of this podcast. Uh, something that's interesting is that, you know, uh, rewatching this for today's episode i like how it turned out it's but a, it is a good movie yeah. yes but hearing the backstory it makes me long for the original concept same. yeah same um which is very interesting because you know we'll get to ratings later but i think i'm gonna have a little bit of a hard time rating this because the movie itself like if you don't know any of the backstory i'm like yeah it's a lot of fun i really right. like that it's just pacha and kuzco kind of yeah. and it's just like two bros and pacha's just extremely yeah. you know every man kind of thing mm-hmm. um i really like his character to... design i love that he's just a doting father and he loves his wife, and his wife is a badass, mm-hmm. and helps kind of stall Yzma and Kronk. And she's the voice of beautiful, gorgeous from Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I I mean, obviously, it's good that Kuzgo doesn't just level a rainforest at the end, and that he yeah. learns something. Yeah. And they were gonna play that as a like a fucking joke bit, just a bit, yeah. just a bit. Leveling a forest is a bit. Like, uh, I like Isma. I think Eartha Kit kills it. I mean, I've seen. So there's good. a lot of uh-huh. behind the scenes of her recording her lines that I've seen before. I don't know if that's from the documentary or if it's just like a separate thing that I've mm, seen. Yeah. But there's a lot of her in the studio recording and who I don't know the director like the recordist mm-hmm. whoever is off screen just always keeps cracking up and being like that was fantastic yeah um Kronk I think is a very fun character obviously his which we didn't explain before but that is Patrick Warburton as the voice of Joe Swanson from Family Guy that's why we keep going hey Peter hey Peter but I love that he's like a little himbo <laughs> um he's so pure respectable yeah he is he his his biggest fault is that he does what he's told and even then not always he his his conscious steps in i love that he's a little chef and then he he takes over for the little restaurant yeah he's so pure like, yeah, bob's, the, bob's the, big boy yes yeah. yep which bob's yeah that's what boy. we didn't we didn't talk about that but yeah. the little yeah. restaurant is modeled after bob's big boy um which i thought was really funny because i saw the menu and i was like wait a second i recognize that it's, it's a restaurant here in burbank yeah so it's um it's where david lynch would eat apparently yeah but yeah i really liked um how it turned out but it does i think lower the score for me knowing that everyone who worked on it probably does not look on it fondly no um i I also think it's this is i'm just completely jumping around and saying whatever comes into my brain at this point i find it very odd that john goodman is the voice of pacha and he would go on to voice sully one year later Mm -hmm. in monsters inc he was in two disney movies like back to back yeah he must not have had a bad experience (laughs) yeah well he was brought on after all the right yeah Yeah. after they clean everything up yeah i don't know because on the one hand it's like i almost want to rate it lower because it's like out of sympathy but also I almost want to write it higher because it, it, perse- it. it persevered and yeah. they pushed through and they did it. So I think I'll just let them cancel each other out and go with my initial rating mm-hmm. when we get there. I think this movie's not amazing. I think my biggest issues with it, honestly, are the like fourth wall breaks mm. and the like, I, uh, like I, it just, I'm like, I get it. I mean, the ones uh-huh. that Cusco does, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, that's what the I'm saying. The whole bit where they're running and they see the dots behind them. Yeah, th- yeah. those bits are all right. And they're I'm, like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. And then he like pulls down the thing. He's like, by all intents and purposes, we should not be yeah. here before yeah, no, you. No, like the, that I thought was really fun. Those that ones makes, I'm fine with. That, I mean, especially so when um yeah, Kuzgo and Pacha get to the uh the lab, the lab before Isma and Kronk, and mm-hmm. then somehow Isma and Kronk are there. That to me, like now knowing the backstory, to me that feels like the writers were like at their wits end and yeah. they were like uh, I don't know, Yzma and Kronk are there and somebody in the writer's room was like, well how would they have beat them? And they're like, um, I don't know, we'll just do a fourth wall break and just yeah, say we'll like, just, doesn't we'll make sense. We'll but, turn like, it into just, a bit, I don't know man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, no, specifically David Spade's like narration of the fourth wall breaks I find to be just yeah, like I don't, I don't think his narration's that good. Like there's a bit where he's like oh it's the, what's with the monkey and the bug? And it's just like, I don't know, the way he does it, I'm like yeah it's not there but everything else i think is really fun i think of course the animation is fantastic it is fabulous oh yeah and it's so smooth it's so nice the way they draw the hands they're all nice and like blocky Mm -hmm. they're really cool and it really is amazing just to watch this movie and look at the way people move very specific there's a couple of characters too i felt like were animated different 
specifically the old man who they throw out of the temple. Oh, yeah. His animations were like so smooth and nice. And it felt like Mar- Mariah called it back to like kind of the Aristocats kind of like animation, like mm. the Milk Milk Con era. Yeah. And I don't know if they were involved or like who, who did that. I didn't. But like some of the characters felt like differently animated, but it was so beautiful to see the animation. And uh, I don't know. It got a couple little... <laughs> You know, it gets, got, a, it gets, it, a few it gets, it gets some of those out of me. Like, and, <laughs> I mean, everyone loves Kronk. Kronk is, he's pretty cool. The poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. Poison made but, uh, specifically oh, for Cusco. Also, I, I want to just remark on how Yzma's boobs were like at her belly button. Mm. And mm-hmm. that her, that's what her, happens to older women. Yeah. yeah. And the belly button and her dresses would always be cut down to where her boobs are supposed to be. <laughs> thus confirming her boobs are down below her rib cage. Yeah. As they should be. Yeah. Boy, is she a fox. <laughs> this, yeah, rewatching this really made me just long for original stories with 2D animation yeah. from Disney. I am so, this is not a hot take, I am so tired of the 3D style that they've fallen into because yeah. I think it's all starting to blend together it's, and look just look the same. It's all the exact goddamn same. And a lot of the stories just are the same. And they're just doing remakes and they're doing sequels. And I just really... I re- Bob Iger, I'm begging you, please, please. my man. Yeah. I don't please. want a Haunted Mansion reboot. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want Inside Out 2. Can you imagine? I, I mean, like, seriously, if they put out just an old-fashioned original story with two, with really good 2D animation, I think that shit would pop off. Hopefully yeah. they're getting to that point because each movie is flopping now that they'll realize we're going to lose money if we keep doing what we're doing. So might as well take a chance on something. Well, that's so if you look at the history of Disney, there's kind of always been this ebb and flow of allowing artists to do what they want. And then business comes in, everything fucking crashes. I guess business should be down here. I was doing a little waveform and business Mm. on top, but business should be at the bottom. And then they're like, fuck, we need to wing it. We need to take chances on this one rando artist. It's fucking amazing. Everyone loves it. Oh my God. Artists are great. And then business comes back into it. Yeah. And it like, I think we're finally, we're like getting close to the very bottom where they're going to have to take a chance on someone. Yeah. yeah. I think too, with, you know, there's Spider-Man movies coming out and also DreamWorks is kind of killing it. DreamWorks and is going looking hard. Looking back on DreamWorks, I'm like, I feel like they have not been afraid to take chances to do new things. And I applaud, yeah. I applaud DreamWorks for that. But especially with like the new animation style we're seeing with like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Spider-Man, Puss in Boots, I feel like Disney might hop on that train. Or at the very I least, I think they're gonna have to. Yeah, or at the very least, we'll come up with something similar, or even just like a new thing, because the soft clay faces of Frozen and like all the, uh, I'm getting sick of it. Yeah, I'm sick well, of it. Fuck, I'm getting tired of all the main female leads Ugh. having the exact same. It's the same quirky, awkward in situations personality. Yeah, I, they need something original. Yeah. And oh, I was going to say, this is not a hot take. And I said this before. I think um, anyone my age is probably going to say this. I think my favorite era of Disney is kind of this Emperor's New Groove, Treasure Planet, Atlantis, you know, yeah. kind of going back to the Lion King, like that, that decade of, I don't know what, 95 to 2005. Yeah, it's all that good. That decade is like the style, the, the stories, like everything is so good. Yeah, and you I know, appreciate it so much. Because I'm thinking about like the ones that I used to watch like a lot. And mm-hmm. that, you know, Lion King, 94. You got Toy Story, 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Monsters Inc. 2001, Finding Nemo 2003. I would say even up to The Incredibles, which was I was gonna say Incredibles is up there. Um, that's like early, earlier kind of 3D uh, stuff. But yeah, yeah, like Emperor's New Groove. Watching that made me want to rewatch like Road to El Dorado uh-huh. and Atlantis and that kind of stuff. And the, the animation is just so fun and is so good and so clean mm. and so. I mean. <sighs> Treasure Planet the Goat. Yeah, in this... Well, okay, so in the era of, like, early 2000s, Atlantis, mm-hmm. Lilo and Stitch. Yes, yep. that's another good one. This is when Pirates of the Caribbean starts coming out. Brother Bear, which I really like. Ooh, Tell everybody I'm on my way. Yeah. Finding Nemo comes out in 2003. Like, the early 2000s and late 1990s, that's like when fire bangers like, are coming out. Favorite era. Iron Giant comes out in 1999. Yeah. Yep. All the good ones. I'm telling yeah. you. So now we get Elemental. Wish. And Wish. Yeah. And uh, Elemental was actually kind of okay. But not original. No, it was not original. It was basically Zootopia, just, but with, with yeah. water Elements, and fire. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you get fucking remake after remake. And I feel like they, they try too hard to be like whimsical. Or like fantastical, like there's so many different avenues they could pursue. Yeah, no, even, I I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like even, I don't know. Even looking at some like looking at something like Treasure Planet, I'm like that's sci-fi. They they never do sci-fi. Very rarely do sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But that's like a whole genre they could break into and do fun stuff with it. But they just don't do it. I I mean there is I mean examples, Disney just but Disney's just been doing MCU stuff for sci-fi. I guess, yeah. yeah, and it's uh, I, and everyone's tired of that stuff too. Yeah, it's like, happening. I don't know. I guess that's the natural order of things. You you get your slop, you get your fill, and then audiences go, mm, "I kind of want something a little more, a little more refined." And then and then they get their fill on that, and then we go back to the slop and just up and down, up and down. Yeah. Well, we're in we're in the fucking Disney recession right now. Because I do like my slop. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I like a little slop here. I and like there. slop sometimes. You know, this little piggy wants the trough. A little piggy wants more. But yeah, well, what would Anyways. you what would you rate this movie? Um. Oh shoot, Mariah, what would you rate this movie? I am going to rate this movie six point seven squirrels offering acorns mm. out of ten. Um, I think I would give it a seven, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it down just a hair for all the horrible shit that this, yeah these poor animators and directors uh, went through to get to this. Yeah, I think this. I I mean now th- when I watch it again, which you know whenever I do. I'm just going to be thinking about the movie that could have been yeah. and the mm-hmm. songs that could have been. And, um, and I'm probably going to enjoy it a little less. I'm going to. So with when this comes out, if you look in the you know descriptions and whatnot, I will have links to some of the songs oh, that cool. Sting wrote that didn't make it in. And I think you'll all, you'll go, what the fuck? What happened? Yeah. <sighs> Stefan, what do you um, rate this? I'll give it a, let's say seven. Why not? Seven out of ten. I think the animation is stellar. I really loved looking at it. I really loved watching it. It had some good bits in there, some good chuckles. Um, I think the perseverance of the team and everybody involved to get through what they went through is very con- commendable. And uh, you go, guys. I hope you have moved on to better pastures, greener pastures. Well, one of them as, did Boss Baby, so he has moved on to better pastures. Llamas. And oh yeah, sorry, that's I don't know. Seven choose a cud out of oh, ten. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to give it 6.5 Damn. guards that used to be cows and are allowed to leave out of 10. <laughs> I 
I that do is a bit that yeah. happens for two seconds. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I never, I didn't understand that. Yeah, bit. He's I'm like, like, why? Because he's what? What? I, I just love how he's like, hey, I'm a cow. Can I go home? And Yzma's like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, that's fair. But, Anyone else? And they're like, no, nah, honestly, I'm, I'm vibing. I'm, yeah. This is fine. I don't mind being an sorry, octopus sorry to, for the rest yeah. of my life. I want to jump in. Uh, yeah, the thing I like about Yzma and like Kronk is it's not just the like, no, you idiot, all the time. There's times where she's like, yeah, I, all right, I'll do, I'll do dessert. Or they're like, yeah. She's like, why are you cooking? And she's like, ah, fine, just you know, that make me, you know, like she like rolls with this dumb shit sometimes. Yeah. She's like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like it's a good funny movie that I think you know if you ask somebody what do you think of Emperor's New Groove, they'd go, oh, it's funny, it's good, I like it, but. I don't think there's anything spectacularly rememberable about Emperor's New Groove. Except for when Kronk goes, poison. What do you mean, bro? There's like five memes from this. Yeah, there's five memes, but you know, you look back. That is memorable. Like, no, I know. You know, you have. It doesn't. The amazing music in Lion King. You have. The Phil Collins of Tarzan. You've, you've this got, doesn't have any of that. You've got that sick as hell music sequence in Treasure Planet where it goes, ah, da na da na da na da Yeah. Da da na 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 Who sung that one again? Uh, I think it's the Goo Goo Dolls. Mm. I actually like forgot but the second you asked me it came to me i'm pretty sure it's the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> and then it's like, ah, oh, and then his dad leaves and you're like, Ugh. and it's, oh. It's good. But this one, you don't get that. Yeah. Well, it's not my go-to Disney movie, but I had a lot of fun rewatching it. Yeah. Hmm. And I think the other version of it could have been a go-to. I think I'll mm-hmm. probably adjust my rating at a, a later date. Well, you got... You could do it right now if you want. Yeah. Now I'll think about it. All right. Well, Stefan. Oh, boy. Are you guys ready for the next movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You're not ready. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Oh God! Because I don't have one. Hey, <laughs> there we go. I completely forgot I had to have one. It'll be a surprise to bring up. Yeah, I've got a couple of things floating in my head. It's okay. just a matter of whether or not I want to read a book or not. So. Surprise episode coming I, at you guys. I do have extra time, so I think I want to try and read a book. So I think I want to pick a book movie. All um, right. I'm nah. Now nah, let's just keep it a secret. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, keep it a fun little secret. So yeah, we'll be surprising you in a couple of weeks. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Mm-hmm. Wonderful New Year. Thank Year's. you for joining us in this new year of 2024. And uh, looking forward to a bunch more episodes this year. But in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. At this point, I'm just going to plug our Instagram because we don't really use the Twitter anymore. Um, but <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at the takes it took. And if you'd like to send us an email for any comments or suggestions for future episodes, you have a hypothetical question, you just want to say hi, you can email us at the takes it took at gmail.com. We'll see you guys again in two weeks. And until then, stay safe, have fun, watch movies, and don't drink, be... Drink poison. Yeah, don't be drinking poison. Don't drink poison. Not, especially not Cusco's poison. Poison, poison for Cusco. Are you ready to drink him poison? <laughs> what was that? Bye. All right, bye. 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 bye.